Mate, we're, uh, we're not going to be diving into Mark today. We're going to take a pause for that. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, who we're with as a church, has really put out this campaign for who's your one. It's asking that question of who's your one. And if you have in your bulletins, there's a little flyer that says who's your one. And at the bottom, it's got an empty space. That's actually for you to fill in somebody's name of this is my one person that I'm praying for that I'm talking to about the gospel and is probably even the one person that I'm going to invite with me to come to church on Easter Sunday. And so that's a big campaign that we're doing. And we said, hey, we want to be able to focus on this. Jeff's going to be coming back next week talking about, um, yeah, next week is not Easter. So that's the following week. So next week, he's going to be talking about the end times more through the book of Mark, which is really exciting and terrifying at the same time. And so come back for that. And uh, it's going to be great. But we're going to take a pause on our Mark series. And we're going to be jumping through and asking the question of who's our one and talking about that this morning. And so when you think of the number one, what do you think of? I I know all, all of us are already like, okay, number one, of course, you know, one, two, Judah started counting. And I just love to hear him say one, and then two and count is just so cute. It's just, I'm like, what's this number? You know, just to hear him say it. But it, we always think of the number one. We, we think of one earth, one sun. Uh, what else? One nose, uh, one spinal cord, one, um, one wife. Um, let's see, one, one team. Uh, there's a, the list could go on. I, I don't want to be up here and make a sermon out of what, how many ones can we think of. But we're talking about that, who our one is. And a lot of times we, we don't put much value on the one. We don't really put much value on the one as believers. We think, oh, but we gotta, we got to be able to reach as many people as we possibly can. And then we end up overlooking that one, that one important person. And believe it or not, the Bible talks a lot and, and puts a lot of emphasis upon one. There was in the the... the the parables that Jesus taught. There was the parable of the one prodigal son, not two, one prodigal son. There was the the um, the parable of the that one lost coin that the woman sought for. There was that one lost sheep that the shepherd sought for and found. And so there's a lot of uh, value that God puts upon that one that one person. And even in Matthew chapter uh, 13 verses 46. 45 and 46, it says this, that, uh, pull it up, 43, it says that the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure buried in the field that a man found and buried, then his joy sells everything and he buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he found the one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything that he had and bought it. So there's a lot of emphasis that the Bible talks and puts upon the one, specifically the one, the, the human being, the person that we have. And so that's the challenge for us is looking at is who is our one. And we're going to be in John chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at the last several verses, almost 10 verses in the book of John. And we're going to be studying through that. And I want us to, to be able to look at that and, and see how it's we can follow an example of being able to make this happen and that we can actually be, for lack of a better term, successful in reaching our one or putting the value upon that one person that is in our life. So in John chapter 1, we'll go ahead and go there. John chapter 1, starting in verses 43. And if you've got it, I'm sure you probably do. If it's not, it's up on the screen. 
But uh, it goes like this. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the home, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found one, the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Verse 46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked. Come and see, Philip answered. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite of whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So starting out in that is Jesus decides, okay, we're going to go to Galilee. And on his way to Galilee, he finds this one person. His name is Philip. We don't really, we, most of the, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, don't really give us much information about Philip. John is the one who gives us the most detail about Philip, even throughout the book. And so for us, we can say, okay, Philip, you know, he, he comes to Jesus, and, and then Jesus says, follow me. And then after he does that, Philip's like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll follow you. And then he starts hearing him teaching, hearing him preaching. And then he says, well, I got to go find Nathaniel. I, I, there's this guy over here. He's sitting by the tree, Johnny Appleseed, right? The one where he's sitting underneath the tree, right? You know, and uh, finally an apple falls and boom, wakes him up. Not really, but he, uh, he says, okay, I got to go find Nathaniel. And he finds Nathaniel sitting by the tree. And then he says, I you need to come see this guy. We have found the promised Messiah, the one that Moses had wrote, written about and even the prophets had written about. So the Old Testament, is, it's, it's going back to that we have found Jesus, the one that has been promised to us throughout all of these thousands of years that have been written about him. We're finally here. He's here with us. And then Nathaniel's like, well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, not really a place where you would say, hey, man, Nazareth, that's a great place to be or, or to hang out with, you know, for us, it was kind of like, you know, Snyder, yay, who knows where, nobody knows where Snyder is, so it's not really that important, so another thing good can come out of Snyder, I'm just kidding, great things come out of Snyder, but Nathaniel's like, he starts to kind of question, and he's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth, and then Philip says, you just need to come and see, you just need to come and see. So for us, is we, we can look at this, and, and there's there's two things that, that we, we, we catch from this passage in, in, in what Philip does is the first of all is, is we can see that there is, there is an action that is taking this, this action that he is, okay, I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. So then what am I supposed to do? And then of course we know that Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He says that throughout his, his gospels. He says, follow me, follow me, follow me. Why? So that I can make you fishers of men. So that I can make you fishers of men. And so Philip is like, okay, I, I follow, I'm following you, Jesus, but now what? And then he sees, okay, I need to become a fisher of men. I need to start finding people. I need to be intentional about finding somebody that I can reach and I can talk to and, and, and invite them to come to church with me. He says, I, I need to be intentional about that. And he finds Nathaniel. So for us, the first thing that we can do to be able to help us in this idea of 
identifying and putting the value upon the one, the first thing for us is we need to commit to being an intentional witness. Commit to being an intentional witness. You know, even... even uh, uh, Romans says, how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they um, hear without it being told to them? And so there's, there's this actual action that we must be doing as followers of Jesus Christ of we need to be witnessing to those people. You know, first by the things that we say, yes, and then by the way that we live our lives. Are we living Christ-like character in front of our friends, being that kind of a witness, that unspoken witness before them? What is our witness looking like? Are we just kind of like, well, you know what? I'm just going to kind of keep living the way that I'm living. You know, I'm going to go hang out and have some drinks with the guys after work on these days just because I, I, I don't want to, to say that, oh, I'm any different than you are, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conform to who you are in, in your, your lifestyles. And so we need to be intentional about being that witness. It's, it, we have to be that witness before others. We just can't not be that witness. And, and there's... there's Ways that we can be able to do this of being intentional witnesses, first of all, is we can have an accountability partner. We can have an accountability partner, somebody that, 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 that we go to and we say, hey, I'm trying to grow in this. Of, I know it's not my spiritual gift of being an evangelist and, and everybody that I can talk to, I can share the gospel of Jesus with them. It's, I, I need to be able to grow. I want to be an intentional witness that even what I'm doing at home is being a witness to, to my family, to the people around me, whether they know Jesus or not. And being able to say, hey, can you come alongside of me in this journey that I am going with of trying to become a better witness? We should all be better witnesses. I'll put my hand up there. We all need to be better witnesses as well. Amen. And so for us, it's how can we do this? Is find an accountability. Somebody that's going to sit down and say, hey, who did you talk to with Jesus this week? Who did you talk to? You know, as a church planner, every month I have to do reports. And it says, how many people have you shared the gospel with? Boy, it is horrible putting down zero, and you're like, boy, I just feel like a failure as a Christian. You have as a church planner, somebody, that, a pastor of a church, and you think, man, you should be sharing the gospel with everybody that you come into contact with. But then it's like you put that zero down, and how many people accepted Christ? Zero. And they're like, yes, you're a great Christian. But see, having that accountability is, is, is like, okay, it spawned in me this, this idea. I was like, okay, I'm going to be filling out this report at the beginning of the month. Who am I going to share my faith with? Who am I going to share? Whether that is, I'm going to go through the whole Romans road or, you know, say, hey, you need to pray and accept Jesus right now. And, you know, the devil's going to come and get you, you know, however that looks like. Or whether you just say, hey, can you come to church? I mean, we just think, well, inviting somebody to the church really isn't, you know, we're not witnessing to them. Well, you're, you're witnessing to them by saying, man, I'm a follower of Jesus and I believe in this Jesus stuff. And... I believe in it so much that I, I make it a point to go to church every week so that I can become a better person, so that I can grow in my spiritual walk. And I want the same for you. That's the kind of witness that we're, we're telling people when we're inviting them to church. So don't look at inviting people to church as, well, that's not witnessing, that's not sharing my faith. Well, you, you're sharing your faith. Take that as an encouragement. The second thing that we can do of being able to help us become that intentional witness is by partnerships. How many times have you gone and shared or, or gone door knocking with somebody else? How many times have you gone and shared your faith with somebody else? I don't know what about it is, but whenever you're with somebody else, it's like you just kind of get this, 
okay, I can do this. I'm not alone. Because witnessing, a lot of times, it feels like you're on your own. But if you bring somebody along and you say, hey, Charles, let's, let's go share the faith with this person over here. Or let's go do this. And it's, it impacts you because and then you're like, okay, we can do this. Because it's not just me anymore. It's, it's, it's us. We're able to share the gospel. Finding somebody that you can be able to share your faith with and, and being that intentional witness to them. So finding those partnerships, somebody that's going to be able to, to keep you accountable. But, and then lastly, it's we can grow in our spiritual maturity when we share our faith and we become intentional witnesses to others. We can grow in our maturity. And it, it just does it, it does it twofold. Is, is we're able to grow ourselves and say, man, how am I growing in my spiritual walk as, as a witness? How am I growing in this area? And then the partners that you're bringing along too, and you're saying, hey, let, let's talk about that conversation that we had with that person. Let's talk about that. What did you think? What did you think about their theology? What did you think? What did I say here? Did I do that right? Or, you know, what could we have done better? And I'm thinking about that grows us spiritually. Some of the best growing that I've done spiritually has not been through reading the Word of God. Yes, I have grown through reading the Word of God, but it's come through conversations with others. Other godly believers that say, man, this is what I'm learning from God and what he's teaching me in the scriptures. And let me share with you what I'm learning. And then we kind of go back and forth and we're able to grow each other spiritually. It's, that's kind of what we're intended. God designed us to be in community of believers. He designed us to be in partnerships and growing together. That's how he designed us. The church isn't just to come and sit down and warm up a seat. It's to encourage one another and grow one another Amen. and be a blessing to others. You see, for us, it's, those are some tangible and, 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 and th- some things that can be able to help us to grow and, and become intentional witnesses. Is it going to be hard to be able to do these things? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely it's going to be hard. I mean, like, I don't want to go up to somebody and say, hey, let's go share the gospel and found like I'm a Bible thumper and, and I don't want to think that somebody, another Christian that I'm going to go and ask and say, hey, let's go share the gospel with this. I'm going to think that I'm a Bible thumper. I mean, it's, there's a lot that goes on. There's inner struggle between us. There's inner struggle that goes on between us. And a lot of times for us, it's, it's okay, let's, let's get over that. Let's get over that. Let's start, let's, it's, it's not about me. It's about sharing the gospel with a lost person. It's about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're commanded to do that. We're commanded to do that. You see, this is what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And I'm going to read it. Uh, from from the screen. Um, you're going to pull it up? There it is. Stay where you are and do not say anything to anyone of any nationality. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh, wait, that was my version. Never mind. Um, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. See, he's like, okay, there's an imperative. It's, yeah, you're supposed to be going, teaching, and baptizing. He's like, those are imperatives that Jesus gave to the disciples that he gives to each and every single one of us to be able to do. And so for us, the second thing that we can look at is, for us, the responsibility is now that we're trying to become an intentional witness, we have to go and tell. You can't become an intentional witness and grow in that area if you're not going and telling. See, a lot of times we live like that first translation. If you stay where you are, Don't say anything to anybody, but keep baptizing them. We live our lives that way. I live my life that way sometimes. We do that. 
like, man, I just don't want to share the gospel. I don't want things to come between me and my friendships. Like, this is good friendships that we got going on here. I don't want to ruin it. You see, we've got to go and tell. Let me put it this way. There's a great barbecue joint here in Tucson. Some of you are probably familiar with it, but it's called Holy Smoking Butts. I didn't come up with a name. They did. But it's Holy Smoking Butts. And it's probably some of the best barbecue that I've ever tasted in the state of Arizona. I love barbecue. It is really good. The, it is just, oh my, it's unbelievable. Like, it's transforming my life right now. I'm getting hungry thinking about it. I'm salivating, and I can't control myself now. And, but it's, the, the flavor is just so good. The, the pork is just, it kind of melts in your mouth. All of the seasonings on the brisket, it's like, the, the, it's rubbed to perfection that you can taste the seasonings even to the middle of the bite. Their chicken, for crying out loud, it's flavorful. Flavor that you cannot get at home. I don't know what it is about chicken. You cannot get the flavor to go all the way through the chicken. It only stays on the outside of the chicken. So you're just like, oh, let's just eat the top layers of the chicken and it will be good. Because that's where all the flavor's at. But their flavor just goes all the way through and it's just amazing. It's so good. Now, you can't get up and leave. Stay where you're at. I'm not done yet. I know where some of y'all are going to lunch. You can thank me and buy me some while you're there. Bring it to my house. But see, it's, it's, it's good. I love it. It's, it's great stuff. And if you're kind of the same way, it's, you're going to tell me about some restaurant that you really like. I don't know why people rave about EG's. There's nothing good about EG's. Amen. And it's a Subway sandwich. People, all they got going for them is the slushies. That's it. That's all they got. That's right. Yes. Thank you very much, Lori. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. But see, it's just as I shared with you the barbecue. And again, some of you are probably going to go to Holy Smoke and Buzz and have some good barbecue for lunch, which again, you're welcome. I love it. I love barbecue. And I'm a fan of it, and I want you guys to be fans of Holy Smoking Butts. You see, just as I can share with you about barbecue, why is it that it's so hard for us to share about Jesus? Are we ashamed to share about Jesus and what he has done for us in our lives? I mean, if you were to look at your life before who you were before you met Christ, you would be like, Wow, I'm so glad that I'm not that person now. Oh, okay, well, great. Well, then go share with somebody who you were before, what Jesus did for you, and who you are now. Go and share that with them. If, if, if Jesus did that for you, and you're just blown away by that, like, use that fuel to be able to share that with somebody else. Share that with somebody else. Philip was like, dude, you just got to come see. You just got to come see. Just see what he can do. See what he's going to do for you. And of course, we know that Philip believed. It says that Philip believed whenever he said, I I saw you underneath the fig tree. I saw you underneath the fig tree. You see, we're we're, we're the Phillips. We, We get to go and tell. 
But the beautiful thing is, is that Jesus already knows that individual by name. He loves that person. He died for that person so that that person could accept Christ and, and be able to live a free life because of Jesus. Jesus saw that one person years. He saw that person in his mother's womb, his or her mother's <laughs> womb, way before you even came onto the scene. And he's given us the privilege and the opportunity to be able to share the gospel with somebody else. But too often we just sit back and we say, yeah, no. I like our friendship. It's too good. It's too good. I don't want to lose it. You see, we make excuses for ourselves. We make these excuses. And I want to share with you a couple of excuses that we can look at it. Write these. They're in your bulletin. Take this bulletin home. And I want to encourage you to look over that list of excuses. And, and if one of those spoke out to you and you say, wow, you know what? That's me. I bought into that excuse. I bought into that lie to not share my faith with anybody. I bought into that. And repent, repent over those and say, God, this is who I've been. I'm, that's not who you've called me to be. Bring me into a new place with you so that I can become an intentional witness. Share my faith and go and tell. You see, our, our list starts out with, it starts out with um, spiritual lethargy. Spiritual lethargy, and what I mean by that is people saying that, oh, I don't know how to share my faith. I, I, I don't know enough about the Bible to be able to, to share my faith. I don't know enough about the Bible to share my faith. I don't know what to say. I don't even have the Romans road memorized. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? You see, and we, we buy into that and we make that our excuse. There's a lot... I know I'm supposed to share my faith, but I can't share my faith because I know, don't know the scriptures. I don't know the Bible. Can I just newsflash for you? Like, the Bible isn't the one that's doing the saving. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit. God's the one that's doing the saving. We just have to proclaim. And what we can proclaim is our own personal salvation testimony and story. You have the best witness tool right here. All of you all of you, of who you are. This is who I was before. This is what Jesus did for me when I met him. And this, this is who I am now because of Jesus. See, that's all we have to do. It's not about, man, how much can I actually know? You don't have to be a theological nerd to be able to witness to somebody. You just have to be able to say, man, this is my life. This is where God has brought me and he can do the exact same for you if you're willing to accept it. He's willing to do that. Spiritual lethargy. Second, growing inclusiveness. This is a big one for all of us. There's not just one way to get to heaven. Every road leads to heaven. You just got to figure out which road you're on. Jesus, when he, he, he says, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father except through me. He's the only way. There is no other way. There is no other way. He is the only way. We have to be able to say, hey, this is how it is. I know it's not going to be pretty, but this is how it is. 
we try to think, well, there's a, there's a wide road and then there's a small road and we, we just got to figure out which side of the fence we're going to be on. No, it's, it's either you're in or you're out. Which is it? Spiritual growing inclusiveness. The third one is disbelief in hell. There's this understanding of this disbelief that hell is not a real place. Ah! It's so real. Hell is a very real place. It's plastered all throughout God's word of, of hell in the damaging place that it is. Hell was not meant for us. Hell was meant for Satan and the fallen angels. That's who it was created for. That's who it was created for. We were meant to be with God in heaven, but we decided to choose otherwise. You see, hell is a very real place. And, and one of the things that can help us in our spiritual growth and, and witnessing is, is witnessing with hell in mind. Witnessing with hell in mind. We don't want our neighbors, we don't want our people to go to hell we know it's a very real place. So let's start witnessing with hell in mind. I know it's like totally not the coolest thing to say of, you know, let's live with hell in mind. Like that's not really a Jesus-y way to think about it. But really, if we know that hell is a very real place and it's a life of torment, suffering, why would we want people to go to hell? We're basically saying, go to hell. I don't care to share my faith with you when we don't share our faith. It's what we're saying. You see, so we got disbelief in hell. Number four is busyness. Oh, I'm too busy. I can't share my faith with my friends. We got to go and take my kid over to the soccer practice. And then from soccer practice, I got to take him all the way back over to the, the primetime child care facility and, and be able to blah, 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 blah. Or I can't work. I've got 40 hours a week and plus some. And then I've got to spend time at home with my family, with inside my house and air conditioning with the garage door shut. And I don't even get out into the streets and talk to people because I'm so busy focused on my busyness. If you're too busy to not care to spend five minutes sharing your faith with somebody, your priorities are out of place. Amen. They're out of place. Boy, it's easy to make that an excuse of, it's too busy. Life is just busy. Life's busy. I'll give you that. Life's busy. But hey, you're not the only one that has a busy life. We all have busy lives. We all have busy lives. How are we going to use that busyness as a crush to share the gospel or as a motivation to say, you know what? I need to start making my priorities right. I need to get them straight. Maybe I need to cut out some things. Cut out some hours of work. I got to cut out some spending time of taking my kids, driving them around everywhere. Maybe like my kid doesn't need to be in 12 different activities at one time. Start thinking, man, what am I going to cut out? So that I can be able to send, okay, now we've got some free time. Let's be intentional about sharing the gospel. Let's be intentional about going out for a walk as a family on, uh, at night. And whether your kid is just dragging and you're trying to pull him and you're just like, come on, let's go. We're going to go meet some people. And just walk down the sidewalk through your neighborhood. 
Don't make life so busy. Number five, fear of rejection. Uh, Doug, can you come up here and, and, and preach this one for me? Really? I was hoping to get out of that one because I said, man, that Martin needs that one. Not me. Martin needs that one. Well, that one's, that one's for me. I, I'll just be honest. I, 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 I hate it when people don't like me or reject me for something. I and mean, if you're going to reject me because of my hairdo and what I wear or how I smell, that's fine. But if you reject me because of what I believe, man, I take that personally. I take it really personally. And so then that fear is like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to say anything to, to my next door neighbor because I don't want him to reject me. I don't want him to reject me. You know, going through this is, is one out of every four people is going to reject you. And to be honest, they're not rejecting you. It's because they're rejecting you because of something some pain in the past. It's not even a personal rejection towards you. It's something completely different that may not even be you, but and then we decided to take it personally because man, now he's rejected me. But it never was even us in the first place. Fear of rejection, that's a big one. I'll give it to him, all of us. We probably have that fear of rejection. Desire to be tolerant. Man, you know what? I don't... I don't want to tell people that Jesus is the only way. I just want to, you know, tolerate and coexist with people. Not tell them, man, your theology is just messed up. Mormon people don't get it. Which, by the way, didn't you ever realize how Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons never go alone? It goes back to this kind of a thing. They never go alone. Obviously, there's some importance of having another person. Partners. But growing tolerance. Are we tolerating what everybody else is saying? Are we tolerating what, who, what they think of, man, there's many ways to get to heaven. You just got to follow one. Just pick one you're on and go with it. Don't become tolerant. And then losing the habit of witnessing. Have you noticed it? I've noticed this in my own life. The less that you witness to somebody, the more likely you are to not share your faith. You get used to it. You're like, ah, it's... It's okay, I've got good friendships, I've got good things going on, and I don't have to share my faith with anybody, and so, yay. I'm just going to keep it the way it is. Life is good. Life's good. Don't do that. Don't get into the habit of saying, you know what, I'm good. I'm good. Number eight is lack of accountability. Goes back to the accountability. Who, who, you, who do you have accountable? Of just saying, hey, how many times have you shared your faith? How many times have you shared your faith? What did you say? Did they say yes? Did they say no? Did you get rejected? Lack of accountability. Nine, failure to invite. I don't even know how that one made the list. Failure to invite. You know, this last week I was at Pilot Gas Station, <laughs> and uh, this guy's name was Jesus. Pilot uniform on and everything. He comes up to me and he's like, hey, man, can I get a ride? My first initial response was like, no. I'm not going to put you in the car with me. I don't even know who you are. I'm not going to 
not going to do it. But then he mentioned, hey, can you give me a ride home? I'll pay you some money. Bing! I was like, yeah, sure. I can go to the extra emergency fund we're building. Get a little extra cash. I was like, yeah, sure, come on. That was my motivation, believe it or not. It wasn't like, man, I get to share Christ with this guy in the truck. You know, I got him there. He's locked in and can't get out. No, my motivation was, man, I get to get some money. Get some money from this. It's just down the road off of Wilmot. When we got to this house, I felt like this, there was like this conviction inside of me that it was like, don't take his money. Don't take his money. And I was like, come on. Free money, why not? And he said, don't, don't, don't take the money. It's like, okay, all right. So then he starts to pull out his wallet, and I says, Jesus, no, 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 don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I was like, tell you what, you don't pay me. You'll come to church with me. Don't pay me. I, I just, I, I just want to invite you to come to church with me. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, where, where's it at? Where's it at? And I gave him the directions and blah, blah, blah. And then I left. He's not here today. But hopefully someday when I go back to Pilate, I can see him again and say, hey, don't forget about our invitation. Don't forget about it. Can you use it? Gave you a free ride. Don't worry, I'm not going to blackmail him. (laughs) But failure to invite, how easy is that? How easy is that for us to just say, hey, will you come to church with me? Will you come to church with me? Failure to invite. Don't become complacent in that. The last one is church not intent on reaching the gospel. I'm so thankful that we here at Authentic Life, we're, we're, we're passionate about reaching the lost. We're passionate about those who are outside the walls who do not know Christ. I mean, when you think about it, 93% of the people here in this area do not know Christ as their own personal Savior. 93%. That's a lot. Now, can we do better? Absolutely. Absolutely we can do better. I mean, paint with, paint with me. Just imagine for me with a second of every single one of us who says, you know, okay, I'm going to take my one, and I'm going to invite him to church on Easter. I'm going to invite them to church. We wouldn't have enough chairs in this auditorium to be able to seat everybody if everyone brought just one person. We wouldn't be able to do that. Just imagine what our area, our region here in Tucson would look like if we started to say, you know what, I'm going to start adopting this. Who's my one? And saying, all right, I'm going to be an intentional witness. I'm going to share my faith with other people. I'm going to have an accountability. I'm going to bring somebody along with me, and I'm going to start doing this together. I'm going to be intentional about it. Boy, you, you could see that 93% just so. Now it's 93% of people know Christ is their personal Savior. 7% don't, and we're still trying to reach them. Those are all the Mormons. We're still trying to reach them. That's what we could do if we started adopting this one and just saying, man, I'm going to start being intentional about becoming a better witness but, and then going out and telling, not just sitting around. I'm so glad Philip decided to say, you know what? I'm not going to make this about a, you know, this is me and, and I'm not a very uh, sociable person. I'm kind of more of an introvert. So, man, I'm just going to stay over here with Jesus where it's comfortable and I just get to listen to him. I don't get to say anything. He gets to pour into me and then I don't have to say anything. And then he sees the thing. Gosh, and then he says, wow, somebody over there, they, 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 
He's lost. Sitting underneath a fig tree. How lost do you have to be to sit underneath a fig tree? And then he goes over and he says, Nathaniel, we found him. We found Jesus. We found him. Just come and see. That's all we have to tell is, hey, I have found Jesus. I have found Jesus. This is what he's done for me in my life. And this is what he can do for you in your life. Now, maybe you're here sitting and you're just like, you know what? I don't know what this all about this Jesus sharing thing. It sounds like a cult to me. And it's not a cult. Don't worry. But it's just as I shared with the barbecue. It's we've got this beautiful, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we want to share it with you. I mean, if if you're somebody who was invited by another person, you don't have to do it out loud right now, but just like look at them and say, hey, thanks for for thinking me and and putting value on me in my life to bring me to church. Because, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. And thank you that you cared enough to live with hell in mind and you invited me. Just do that to, to the person who brought you. Because Jesus, again, God created hell to be for his fallen angels and Satan. That's who it was for. It's not for us. We're supposed to be in heaven with God. But too often we choose the other path. We say, man, I just want to live for myself. God's a crutch, and he's just going to kill joy, and he's going to ruin my life. I can't go out and drink. I can't go party. I've got to sell my business, and I can't live a wealthy life, and I can't do all of this. And it's like, whoa. Jesus doesn't want to kill your joy. He wants to bring you joy. He wants you to live a life full of joy, freedom from sin, that those things that we hold on to when you say, this is too precious for me to give up my life and accept Christ as my own personal Lord and Savior, those things that are too precious to us, and we say, well, I can't let that go. But once we accept Christ as our own personal Lord, say, I promise you, your eyes are going to open so wide and you'll be like, wow, this was just so minute compared to what Jesus has done for me. Jesus loved us enough that he went to the cross and he died for you. He took that payment. It didn't start there with just, you know, he had to give his life up for us. No, it started from when Jesus was incarnated. That's a big theological term that just basically means that Jesus put skin and bone on, that God put skin and bone on. Because he knew that the only way that was we were going to be able to set free is if there was a ransom for our debt. A ransom for our debt. That would be nice if somebody would say, hey, I'm going to pay for all of your debt for you. No strings attached. Boy, wouldn't that be awesome? I'm Some of us are probably like, man, can somebody do that for me? But Jesus did that with our sin. That part that's so dark about us and that we, we turn away from God. And, and, and it's, sin is everything that displeases God. Everything that displeases God. And I'm sure we can all name a huge list of sins that we've done in our life. And if you're still on the edge and you're saying, God just will not save me. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't want to set me free. He, he, he doesn't love me enough. Jesus, he loved us enough that he gave up 
who he was as, as, as God, is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He gave up that position, did not consider it equal, but he says, I'm going to humble myself and bring myself to your level as a human being. God in human form. The only person who was perfect, <clears throat> sinless life, the only people who should have been on that cross was you and me. We should have been the only ones on that cross, but Jesus said, no, 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 no. Take me instead. Take me. Let them go. Let them go. Let them live a full life, life full of grace and freedom. Let them live that life. Let me take the pain for their suffering. Let me be the one to die on the cross. Jesus did that for you. Jesus loved you enough that he did that for you. We can't say that Jesus doesn't love us. He loved us so unconditionally. So unconditionally that he would be willing to give up his life for us. That's what Jesus did for you. And you can accept Christ. You can become and walk into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then your life can be totally transformed. Then you can become the Philip and say, hey, neighbor, come with me to church. Let's go. Just come and see. Come on. Let's go. Look at what Jesus did for me in my life. Then you can be that one person. Then you bring up the, the multitude of people to be able to do that. You can do that. You have the power to do that if we accept Christ as our own personal Savior. Don't walk out of here this morning without knowing Christ as your own personal Savior. Again, where are we at on this list? Where are we at? Pray through that list. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to be a better witness. Bring somebody into my life that will be able to keep me accountable. In fact, even bring somebody into my life that we would be able to go and witness together. And even that same person that we'd be able to grow each other spiritually and just continue to keep trucking on this thing and saying, man, we're going to be a better witness. We're going to do it together. Not alone. God has great things in store for you when you do that.